Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your Market View. Now, we'll keep you up to date with all you need to know with regards to the US stock market today. Markets received a much needed boost after December's non farm payrolls showed wage growth coming in below expectation. But to what extent can we take heart in this piece of news given that the labor market in the US remained rather resilient with more jobs created? And also, with December's CPI data due later in the week, what can we expect and what would this mean for the Federal Reserve ahead of its February meeting? Now, moving away from the macro economy, we'll also have a look at major banks that are set to report their earnings this week, as well as the outlook for the troubled retailer, Bed Bath & Beyond. Well, let's find out more from our guest for today, AJ Kaling, Head of International Education at TD Ameritrade, joins us. Hi, AJ. How are you? Hi, good. How are you, Chua? Great to have you on the show, AJ, as always. And so let's start with the US as usual. December's non-farm payrolls uh, has provided a much-needed boost to markets. Really, as wage growth came in below expectations, average hourly earnings that was up 4.6% on a yearly basis, which is below the 5% initially thought. But that being said, uh, how would you read into the numbers, though? Because the number of jobs created still came in more than expected, right? Is it a case of markets rallying, you know, at any slightest sign of optimism? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, let's start off with that headline. Uh, We have full year figures now. In 2022, the U.S. economy added 4.5 million jobs. Uh, You know, it's an astounding number. Of course, a lot of those had been jobs lost during the pandemic. Um, But, you know, what also, what did the S&P 500 do last year? It's down 19.5%. It's, it's a very strange uh, situation that we're in right now. It's just a, such a poorly performing stock market, but such a strong underlying jobs market. Um, obviously, we're seeing inflation that we haven't seen uh, in, in a very long time. And so that's what the market is really focused on. Average hourly earnings increase, but not by as much as they're expecting. They interpret that as less inflation pressure. Uh, so, you know, we had do have unemployment near pre-pandemic lows. Um, but, you know, what, what's happening is, is workers' earnings are still lagging inflation. If their earnings rise 4.6%, but inflation is north of 6%, uh, it's still going to be, there's they're not making up that ground there. So they're probably um, dipping into credit or savings to support living standards at this point. Um, I think, uh, you know, what, what the market is doing here is, is maybe pricing in a little optimism after that that miss there that the Fed might go a little bit easier on the rate hikes coming up in 2023. Uh, but but you know there's it, who knows because you know it's just like I said confusing market. If you dive into the jobs numbers, construction employment actually increased 28,000 jobs in December. You normally don't see construction employment increasing during a recession, which we're technically in. So very interesting markets right now. And and participants are really just grasping on to any figure for optimism that uh, we might have a better equity market this year. Right, AJ. And speaking of uh, the Fed's move and also inflation, investors continue to set their sights on the U.S. inflation print for December out later this week. Uh, Core CPI expected to show 5.7% yearly increase. What are your thoughts? I mean, I I think if we get that 5.7%, uh, percent print, that's going to be the lowest in the past 12 months. Uh, it'll also be the third decline in a row of 30 basis points, obviously going 6.3, 6.0, and then 5.7. 
I'm not really telling you anything new there uh, that that's known. But if we get that print, I think what we should do is take what we learned from the uh, NFPs on Friday and how the market has reacted since. So, you know, they're probably expecting a decline, but I think that might be priced in already. We saw the big rally on Friday and you're right. Uh, today, the U.S. on Monday, we had a big rally in the morning and that kind of faded in the afternoon, although the Nasdaq did have a better day than the rest of the market. But we've seen still about a two and a half percent rise just in the past two days based off of that NFP figure. I think a lot of uh, market participants are expecting then, okay, so if uh, hourly wages are only growing by less than what we thought, that means CPI might come in lower than what we're predicting now, the 5.7. If we get anything less than 5.7, I would expect equity markets to rally. But anything at that level or even just uh, you know 10 basis, basis points higher, maybe a muted response might be already pressed, priced in. And AJ, Fed funds futures now show investors expecting a 25 basis point rate increase. That's the most likely outcome. Uh, do you agree with the assessment? What are you expecting? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm, I was a little surprised to see that. I was looking at that last week also. And, you know, yes. I think it might be a little premature for such a convincing probability. It, what I mean by that is that the Fed fund futures have an 80% probability of that 25 basis point hike. Just one month ago, it was a 40% probability. So not even in the majority, everyone's expecting a half a, a half a point uh, increase. Uh, so it's come down quite significantly. Now, I'm not saying that that uh, they're wrong. In fact, I would tend to believe these um, at 80 percent probability. But what I'm saying is there's a lot that still has to happen between now and February 1st when we get that rate announcement. Um, we just talked about it. CPI this week. If that's a bad number, I wouldn't expect the, uh, the Fed to uh, just do the 25 basis point, probably upwards of at least half a point. Later this month, we have GDP for the fourth quarter, also PCE during the last week of January. People shouldn't you know, discount personal consumption expenditures. It's actually been the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation since 2015. So pay attention. January 27th, uh, I believe at 9.30 p.m. Singapore time, that's a Friday, we will get that uh, PCE figure. So uh, you know, a lot to happen between now and then, and not to mention earnings. We have corporate earnings for the last quarter coming up very soon, too. Mm. You mentioned about corporate earnings, and I want to touch on that as well. Major banks, JP Morgan, set to report earnings later this week. How do you expect bank report cuts to look like? I mean, Goldman Sachs will cut over 3,000 jobs, isn't it? So how is it looking like for these uh, this particular sector? Yeah, you know, anytime you have layoffs announced ahead of earnings, that's a warning sign that trouble might be on the horizon. Um, obviously, these C-levels, CEOs, CEO, uh, COOs, CFOs, they can see their books. They know what's happening real time, and they might see that the you know, storm's on the horizon. Um, not to say just you see, you know, oh, we might miss EPS this, uh, this quarter, so we need to announce layoffs. You know, to announce layoffs must be a pretty, it is a drastic move, and so they must see uh, like I said, some some rough waters ahead. Um, you know, it, in terms of the entire sector, uh, you you look at uh, well, S and P five hundred. Factset um, is predicting fourth quarter profits to drop by four point one percent, and then the S and P five hundred. So that's just across the board. Um, I think if you're looking at the financials and the bank stocks uh, specifically, think about the macro environment. Um, if you're worried about that economic slowdown, you know, if you're worried that the Fed isn't going to be able to orchestrate that soft landing uh, as, as we're all hoping they can maybe steer clear of bank stocks that cater towards the consumer like card issuers and maybe pay attention to so-called, you know, high quality banks. 
I know that you know we can define high quality in any number of ways, but in this sense, uh, banks that are well diversified with different income streams. Um, if you want to get into the fundamentals, uh, banks that have PE ratios that are lower than their 10 or 20 year average at this point might be the safer play. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to AJ Kaling, Head of International Education at TD Ameritrade. Well, AJ, another company making headlines of late Bed Bath & Beyond uh, shares they were up as much as 75% at one point uh, yesterday before giving up some of those gains. Where do you think the company is headed and how soon can we expect it to file for bankruptcy? Uh, yeah, so I mean, let's just talk about where it's been. Uh, in the past six months, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond at one point was up 350%, acting like one of the last meme stocks. Now, of course, it's given up all those gains and some. Uh, it's really it's become a vol- volatility play at this point. Uh, I think it's extremely risky. I think people are you know getting in with the hope that they catch you know a falling knife and they're going to get this thing uh, shooting up and maybe a quick turnaround here. Um, you know, bankruptcy isn't guaranteed. That's first and foremost that they haven't officially announced that they're going to. It's obviously being discussed. Um, I, honestly, it's hard to see a different outcome at this point. If you think about their business model, they're already struggling to keep stores stocked with goods. Uh, and vendors obviously at that point become reluctant to supply unless they get paid cash up front or get vendor insurance, which is becoming scarce. Uh, so, you know, when you have a cash crunch and they're still working with creditors trying to, to you know, to get an injection of cash, um, it's just really difficult. I don't see these situations play out um, that well uh, in, in the past. Um, what I would say to anyone interested in, in, in dabbling here, be prepared to lose 100% of your investment. It's a very risky point uh, right now. I'm not saying they're going to file for bankruptcy, but it's very possible. And we know that equity holders are the last ones to get paid out during a bankruptcy uh, proceeding, not just pennies on the dollar, but sometimes zero on the dollar. Ouch, I must say, it it, it would hurt, right? And uh, well, moving away from the uh, retail sector, I want to take a look at tech. Right. Apple recently uh, or reportedly exported over 2.5 billion US dollars of iPhones from India uh, between April and December last year, which is twice the uh, previous fiscal year's total to diversify away from China. How would this transition look like for Apple, really? You know, I, I'm not a supply chain expert, but but I do know a little bit, and this is all general information uh, out there. Is Apple has about 180 suppliers. 150 of them operate in China versus 26 in Vietnam and just 11 in India. So, you know, you you think about their operation, they already have set up with Foxconn and and iPhone City in in Zhengzhou. Uh, You know, it's uniquely positioned because they have those dormitories there and they can uh, have people live on the the grounds there. 300,000 people, as a matter of fact. Um, and they, you know, many of the parts and the metals needed to make these iPhones are refined and built within China. Now, of course, when you Foxconn does have uh, uh, operations in India, um, but they don't have the dormitories there, so they're bussing in employees every morning. That's of course called, takes time, takes money, uh, and again, not all of their suppliers are operating in India, so they can import them. But there's paperwork involved. There's delays there. I think. The likely uh, play out here is that they're going to continue expanding uh, within, you know, India and some of the other uh, Southeast Asian countries uh, for 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 iPhone production, other Apple gadgets, but probably more of a 
you know, diversify away from Foxconn. That single point of failure, I think, kind of scared them when they had the recent, you know, COVID protest there. So, so I think that's probably the the, the play here is maybe incorporate other uh, manufacturers, uh, so they're not so heavily reliant on just one. Hmm. Staying in tech, another company that we want to look at is Tesla. Seems to be making the news almost every other day. And apparently Tesla owners in China, they are protesting against another round of price cuts. They say that, you know, we have missed out on another round of price cut and that isn't, it just isn't fair in a certain way. <laughs> uh, to what extent would that weigh on Tesla's business, really? And if customers can protest about losing out on potential discounts in front of Tesla stores, what does it say about Tesla's influence in the country against the competition you have BYD, you have Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, relate to this? I'll stop short of saying that this will have zero impact on sales, but this will likely be a forgotten story in one month's time. Now, I know that's a risky thing to say because watch this be a huge story in one month. You replay this and I sound like a fool, but really, I don't think that this is going to be a big thing in the long run. Uh, obviously, Elon Musk is a great showman and he could probably distract uh, and keep this story buried with a lot of his okay. antics. Uh, he mm -hmm. could just take to Twitter, you know. Um, certainly, I think there's risks. And, and here's how we play it out um, is that, you know, as economists would try and determine what is this going to do to potential buyers of Tesla vehicles in China? In this quarter, Q1 2023, will they delay their purchase because they anticipate more price drops? They say, hey, you just did it twice in the past quarter. Who's to say you're not going to, what's to say you're not going to do it again right now? So I'm going to hold off on my purchase and that's going to slow sales. Or this could give them the confidence to complete their purchase this quarter because, hey, look, I'm getting a steep discount. If you like the car, at last quarter's price, look, it's at a, uh, it's on sale now. You must love it. So, you know, it, it's how does the consumer react to this news? Um, uh, you know, it should force competitors to also lower the prices, not guaranteed. Um, it'll be interesting to play and see what happens uh, in the next month. And I would like to see uh, if, if my prediction is correct or not. I don't know, but I think this will be forgotten about and uh, Tesla will be okay. Right. And finally, before we go, AJ, uh, Bloomberg released a list of 50 companies to watch in 2023 and includes several big names, including Disney and eBay. But uh, we want to hear from you. Which are the stocks that we should be watching or buying, particularly in the U.S.? You know, you mentioned Disney. I think that's an interesting play with with Bob Iger's return. Um, as a matter of fact, he uh, I think the, an internal memo was was leaked today saying he's calling for the return to office four days a week minimum for every employee. So he's already shaken things up. You know, he, he came back and investors wanted him back. Um, just because they, they missed him. They missed his management style and he's already making those changes. Uh, and, and also, you know, he hasn't been gone that long. I wouldn't be surprised if he's still a pretty significant shareholder and he saw the decline in the share price and wasn't happy either. Uh, it got me thinking about another tech company whose stock price has been beaten down since their CEO left called Amazon. Um, Jeff Bezos uh, left and the stock price hasn't been doing great. And I'm not saying that that's new CEO's fault. There's, of course, other challenges out there in the broader tech sector. But I'm wondering how long until Jeff Bezos is motivated to come back and turn that stock price around? Uh, don't know here. But you know, still, I think both those companies are still big consumer discretionary stocks. And in, if inflation continues, uh, consumers are going to have to pull back somewhere, and it probably will be in those discretionary areas. Um, 
I think the big question is, is now time to get back into the tech stock? We saw today AMD and NVIDIA bounced more than 5% each. Uh, so some investors are uh, uh, bullish uh, on that sector. Uh, but really, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. When will we hit that terminal Fed funds rate? The rate at which the uh, Fed doesn't predict to go any higher, and they're going to sit there for a while and then eventually start cutting rates. A lot of uh, FOMC members are saying it's 5%. Um, when when do we get there and how long are we going to, going to stay there? Um, the longer it takes to get there and the longer drawn out that we hear you know, language from these Fed governors that it's going to stay there, I think you should probably um, be, be paying attention to some debt defensive stocks. We've noticed our clients at TD Ameritrade Singapore rotating into healthcare like Cardinal and Quest Diagnostics. Consumer Staples, of course, is, is another defensive stock. Uh, we've seen customers rotating into Conagra and Campbell Soup, to name a few. But it really just goes back to what do you think is going to happen in the future? This recession that we're in right now, is it going to be short-lived? Um, the, the market correction of 20% last year, are we due for a bounce? Uh, and what what are we gonna what's how are we gonna, going to get there? And that's how mm. you're going to determine how to position yourself in 2023. Right, exciting days indeed. Thank you very much, AJ. That was AJ Kaling, head of international education at TD Ameritrade. Thank you for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.